We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As we learned last week, there are some new faces that make up Baltimore's 2023 coaching staff, and one is running backs coach Willie Taggart. Yeah, Sarah, the 46-year-old joins the Ravens with a ton of collegiate head coaching experience under his belt, including stints at Western Kentucky, South Florida, Oregon, Florida State, and Florida Atlantic. He was also once Jim Harbaugh's running backs coach at Stanford back in 2007 through 2009. All right, well, that sounds like a good place to kind of dig in a little bit more, seeing as he got his first break in the head coaching business for his efforts at Stanford. So what were the notable highlights from his time there? Yeah, remember the name Toby Gerhardt? Taggart helped build him into a star as the 2009 Heisman Trophy Award runner-up. The winner of that, former Raven Mark Ingram. And uh, Gerhardt was also the Doak Walker Award recipient as well. He led the country in rushing yards that 2009 season, which put Taggart in a position to land the Western Kentucky job not long after. All right. So he's been with John Harbaugh or Jim Harbaugh. He's now coming in with John Harbaugh. How far back does his relationship go with the Harbaugh family? All the way back to Taggart's high school days, actually, when he was a standout quarterback in Bradenton, Florida. At the time, John and Jim's father, Jack, was the head coach at Western Kentucky And he happened to be in need of a quarterback. So Jim, who was actually still in the middle of his NFL playing career, literally volunteered his time to help recruit Taggart for his father. He did so successfully, so successfully that a lifelong bond followed. Jim served as Willie's best man at his wedding and then even later named his son Jackson after Jack. So uh, big Harbaugh family ties. And here's Taggart during his introductory press conference at Oregon in 2017 telling you all about those ties. But one of the best things that ever happened to me, ever since this day happened, my life been going nowhere but up. I, I'm along my journey. I have a, had an opportunity to meet a lot of great people who, who really influenced me as a person and, and helped shape my career. And, and it started with uh, Jim Harbaugh. I'm sure you all know who that is. Jim Harbaugh recruited me to play for his dad at Western Kentucky. And I tell everyone to this day, ever since I met Jim Harbaugh, my life been going nowhere but up. I had an opportunity to meet great people. Um, and I called Jim, my, my, Jim, John, and Joni, my sisters and brothers from another mother. I had an opportunity to meet that great family, Jack Harbaugh, who I played for, who, who's my mentor, who's my everything. He is everything to me. Him and Ms. Harbaugh, uh, they helped 
shaped my life and helped me grow into the man that I am today. And I, I'm in debt to that family and, and uh, love them to death. You know, and, and again, to this day, I always lean on them when it comes to professional decision or if I need help with anything, and they're always there for me. Yeah, now those are some serious family ties right there. And Tackers proven to be quite the trailblazer too, though, right? Oh, absolutely. No question about it. He's been named as the first black head coach at five different college programs over his career. And then there's this too, Sarah. Taggart is highly regarded for having saved, quite literally saved, Western Kentucky's football program during his playing days. The school cut 15 scholarships because of budget issues when he showed up for his freshman year, but his rapid rise to stardom helped turn things around quickly. He set program records for rushing yards and rushing touchdowns while also being able to beat you with his arm as well, having thrown 30 touchdown passes throughout his career. So again, it's a decorated former resume as a player. He's been all over the place in terms of experience at the head coaching level, at the collegiate ranks, and now he comes to Baltimore. Really, his first experience in the NFL. All right, Sarah, there's a tweet from Sharp Football that has Ravens fans debating. Warren Sharp, who is an analytics guru, football analyst, he published a list of the teams that spent the most and least on offense over the last four years, which, of course, would start back in Lamar Jackson's 2019 MVP season. So what do you got? Yeah, okay, so I'll just run through the list first. I'll start with the top five teams that spent the most on offense over the last four years. Number one is Indianapolis, where they've spent $409 million. Then Dallas, 407 Green Bay, 404 Tampa Bay, 400 And then Cleveland at number five at $339 million. Okay, so then we drop down to the bottom five. 28, Carolina at $293 million. Then Miami at 29 at 279 Pittsburgh, 275, then Denver at 265, and here we go, number 32, Baltimore Ravens, spending $263 million on offense over the last four years. So you're telling me the Ravens are dead last <laughs> league-wide. That's, that's what I'm telling you, and uh, just some thoughts on that. First off, Bobby, it's not surprising. Now, the single biggest factor that will put you in the bottom third or the top third of this list is your quarterback. And when you nail a draft pick at the position like the Ravens did, and then you get him on a contract, a rookie contract, all four years, then yeah, you're going to be low on that list. Now, on top of that, the Ravens also drafted Mark Andrews and Orlando Brown the same year as Lamar. And then Ronnie Stanley got his contract one year into this time period that we're looking at, and his first two years didn't have crazy cap hits. Meanwhile, most of the teams in the top five of that list were paying big money to veteran QB. So, Yes, it makes sense that Baltimore is low on the list. Having said that, Bobby, there were many teams that also had quarterbacks on rookie deals. So to be number 32 still says quite a bit. I mean, if the Ravens are saving money at quarterback, at tight end, at running back, and offensive line, through great drafting, of course, you'd think that Eric DaCosta and the front office could have spent money, maybe had a little bit to spare on wide receiver weapons for Lamar Jackson. Instead, the front office chose to spend big money on the defensive side of the ball. Now, I think it's more than fair to criticize Eric DaCosta for not putting more cap dollars on that offensive side of the ball to help Lamar reach an even higher level and even higher potential the last few years. And my hope 
is that Eric DaCosta and the front office see the error in their approach and spend more at the wide receiver position. All right, Bobby, it doesn't seem like Lamar Jackson liked some of the comments that Pro Football Talk's Mike Florio and Chris Sims had on their show Monday morning. Yeah, by the looks of it, Sarah, I don't think he did. And, you know, we should probably give some background on all this before we actually share some sound bites. But, you know, Mike Florio was once again on his soapbox about Lamar not having an agent. He's been pushing that stick for a few years now, claiming that Lamar is hurting himself in contract negotiations. But this time, he added another new reason to support his argument, claiming something about a failed shoe sponsorship brand that happened, we don't know. I mean, he, he didn't specify with a timeline, but he did have this. When it's just the player and a family member running the show, it's harder to replicate. It's impossible to replicate. They can't compete with what the best firms do, the experienced firms. I'm not saying just go out and hire any old agent. Hire one of the best quarterback agents out there, and it doesn't take many phone calls to figure out who they are. And you, he'd have had a contract by now. And it's a contract he'd be happy with. And this wouldn't be an issue. Oh, and by the way, he'd possibly have other contracts he'd be happy well, with. Well, that's like the a other thing, contract Mike. he'd be happy yeah, with. right. I know. I, I know, Mike. I that, mean, that, that never gets discussed either. No, well, I mean. The contract that wasn't yeah. because he doesn't have a marketing firm. Right. Well, no, you know, Mike, you, you've heard me a little through our text. I mean, that that is one of the rumors that's out there is, 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 is that there's been some blown marketing deals, too. You know, with a big time shoe brand, you know, so there's there's being money left on the board across the table right now by all due accounts. And, you know, there's a lot of things here that are, you know, issues, not only for the Raven, I mean, more for the Ravens, you know, but but yet, you know, like what we're talking about, we care about Lamar and want to see him maximize what he can do here. OK, so Sarah, that clip got shared and passed around quite a bit on Twitter throughout Monday. And then, of course. Lamar himself responded to it later that night, just before we started recording. How convenient. <laughs> and he did it in a way that got all of his teammates who were on Twitter, even a former teammate too, in RG3, laughing in return. And, you know, Lamar just used that classic LeBron James gif where he was squinting eyes and he had a confused look on his face. He looks up at the clock and kind of mouths like, what? You know, Patrick Queen was in on it. RG3. I mean, the amount of laughter emojis that we saw on Twitter Monday night was pretty hysterical. And in classic Lamar form, and sometimes why don't well, I'm getting deja vu to the OTAs video that I put up before <laughs> I was banned on Twitter when Lamar responded to Sims. It's always Sims who get who gets after Lamar, but Lamar always has the final word. Yeah, he? he does. And you know, I liked all the laughing emojis because frankly, his response was funny. And he's clearly calling Mike Florio's claims into question. Yeah, and it's unclear what part he's calling out. Maybe it's just the claim that not having an agent is what led to a shoe deal falling through, or maybe he's just saying that a shoe deal never fell through at all in the first place. Either way, I love it when Lamar Jackson sticks up for himself when the media are talking about him and he thinks it's wrong. And here's my thing, Bobby. I do not understand why Mike Florio cares so much about Lamar's sponsorships in the first place. I mean, Florio can claim that he has Lamar's best interest in mind, but I'm not sure I totally buy that. And to be honest, this whole thing, I just don't have much taste for this topic. I don't care that Lamar doesn't want to have an agent. I don't care that he doesn't want to have an agency. I don't care how few 
or how many sponsorship deals he wants to land. That is 100% up to him, and I have zero opinion on it. Now, I have more interest in the cap and contract money because that has an impact on the roster, and the roster obviously has an impact on football, and I'm here to talk about football. All this other stuff outside of football doesn't interest me, and I think Florio should drop his whole Lamar needs an agent campaign. Florio's probably a little too biased on the topic anyway, seeing as he benefits from agents being sources for news. Before we get too, too into the weeds on all that, let's move on to one other clip from Florio and Sims from this same segment. And this one, I know we both agree a little bit more on because we've called out ESPN a few times for its careless reporting on Lamar's contract negotiations, which really goes all the way back to September of 2022. But finally, finally, someone else other than us is seeing this, too. Look, the union's agenda here is, and I don't think this is going to upset anyone more than I'd otherwise upset anyone by saying it. The union wants these quarterback contracts to be fully guaranteed. So you have to push the player, each one that you're assisting, to get a fully guaranteed contract. And then when a player doesn't do a fully guaranteed contract with the help of an agent, you can cross your arms and be mad at the agent for not doing a fully guaranteed contract. It's not as easy as it sounds. And if you get a fully guaranteed contract, maybe you're giving up other things that you would want in lieu of getting the, the fully guaranteed contract. So that, and that became an issue on Friday. This one really surprised me. And, and here's the dichotomy. Lamar Jackson or someone close to him from time to time is leaking information or the union is leaking information. And some of the information is incomplete and some of it is flat out incorrect. The Ravens otherwise are saying nothing out of respect for Lamar Jackson. They don't want to inflame a delicate situation. Yeah. They want to be able to say to Lamar, we haven't said anything to anyone. And the Ravens have stuck to that. There have been no leaks. Look, a full proposal was made last August and we don't know what it was. We just know what has been chosen to be leaked. And we've heard it now three different times from three different ESPN personalities, 133 million fully guaranteed. That's what he was offered without other key information. And it's meaningless without knowing other facts. Most importantly, how much injury guarantee would have become fully guaranteed after the first season when they weren't going to cut him after one season and 133 million guaranteed. How much of that vests from Injury to full guarantee after one year, because that is a significant factor as well. The rolling guarantee after the first year. That's never been mentioned by the people leaking to ESPN. It started with Chris Mortensen, continued with Ryan Clark, and most recently Stephen A. Smith, that $133 million number. It's incomplete and it's disingenuous to push that without asking the next question. Hey, Lamar, or whoever is leaking on behalf of Lamar, how much injury guarantee would have become fully guaranteed after one year because as a practical matter, that money's guaranteed too. And, and somebody's trying to make the Ravens look bad and Lamar look good for saying no thanks to the offer that was on the table last August. Partner, I got to ask, how good does it feel that we finally aren't the only ones calling out ESPN for its inconsistencies? I mean, you know, we've been a broken record on this show about knowing the difference between the reported $133 million and fully guaranteed money that was offered to Lamar and total guarantees. And as off-base as Florio may have been in his shoe deal claims, the past shoe deal that went below the wayside for Lamar in terms of what Florio and Sims were getting at earlier on in this segment, Florio does have a law degree, and he understands contract language. And there's a lot more than meets the eye with contract reporting. I thought he did a great job of explaining how so much information is still missing 
for us to really have an accurate gauge on Baltimore's offer to Lamar. And Bobby, ESPN's reporting has been completely unfair to both Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Florio said it's hurting the Ravens in that soundbite, and it's one of the few times I agree with him, but I think he's missing that it's also hurting Lamar. ESPN has created this imaginary war that on one side makes Steve Bashotti out to be this cheap owner giving insulting offers when there's a chance that he may have offered top-of-the-market guarantees outside of Deshaun Watson. But then ESPN, with its own contradictory reporting, also makes Lamar out to be this greedy and unreasonable player by asking for more guarantees than Deshaun Watson. And so now we have this war within the Ravens fan base taking sides, but not based on what either Lamar or the Ravens have said. They've always been, you know, cordial with one another. Obviously, they haven't come to a deal, but they don't seem to be angry with one another. So instead, this war in the fan base is completely based on ESPN's own contradictory reporting. So like I said, it's not fair to either side. And instead of fighting with each other, I'd like to see, although I don't think it's going to happen, but I'd love to see more fans demanding higher reporting standards from ESPN. All right, Bobby, former Ravens scout and current NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah recently held his annual conference call previewing the 2023 NFL scouting combine. Were there any Ravens nuggets worth sharing? Well, if you can envision Baltimore using its 22nd overall pick on an undersized yet speedy wide receiver, then yeah, I'd say this is worth sharing. (laughs) Here's Jeremiah talking fit and one specific prospect he likes in particular. It's tough to say a new offense coming in there to see, you know, what the fit looks like and and how they want to set that up and incorporate it. But, uh, you know, I've always felt like with the run game that they have and, you know, whether how much of that run game you want Lamar to be, they should still be able when they when Lamar's out there, his mere presence will mean that they'll have a they'll have a good run game to go along with with Dobbins. So I think complementing that with speed is always the way to go where you can hit a slant and somebody can go. You just got to break one tackle where you can get on top of coverage because you've got flat safeties because they've got to come down and, and play the run. So I, I'm always going to lean towards guys that can really go. Um, Zay Flowers, as I mentioned, is an overall player I love. And, uh, you know, the suddenness there, I, I think, would be a uh, would be a fun player to match up in that offense. Yeah, it almost sounds like he's referring to Hollywood Brown coming out of Oklahoma a few years back. Uh, I thought the same thing initially, but Jeremiah's player comp was actually T.Y. Hilton, who he referred to as a clone of Flowers. Now, Zay specifically was a four-year player at Boston College, and he posted big numbers his senior season last fall. 78 catches, over 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns. All of that earned him first-team All-ACC honors for the second time in his career. So, you know, a standout player, no doubt the production was through the roof. Uh, but, you know, f- from a physical trait standpoint, he is undersized at 5'9". Yeah, well, it's, in, it's an interesting comp because let's not forget that Baltimore was reportedly interested in signing Hilton in 2021, but remember, the longtime Colt opted to return to Indianapolis. But Bobby, what from Flowers should we be on the lookout for at this week's Combine? Yeah, so wide receiver workouts are set for Saturday, March 4th, and Sunday the 5th, respectively. But I'll be specifically watching his performance during the 40-yard dash. Sarah, there's a before and after photo collage making its way around Twitter of flowers before and after he added 13 pounds of muscle 
in preparation for this combine. He went from 170 to 183. And so I'm really curious to see if that electric agility and breakaway speed that he showcased over his four years at BC is still there uh, come the weekend. But uh, again, you know, I mentioned the Marquise Brown kind of comparison. Let's just make it very clear. Hollywood was, was around 159 pounds coming out of Oklahoma. So while they're similar in the height category, Flowers got a little bit more beef. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Sarah, the Ravens are in need of a cornerback with Marcus Peters, Kyle Fuller, and Kevon Seymour all scheduled to become free agents in a couple of weeks. And simultaneously, Jalen Ramsey is rumored to be on the trading block in Los Angeles. Yeah, Bobby, the Bills have come due after a couple of years of pushing cat pits down the road, and the L.A. Rams now have to pay the piper. And that means they are in the process of parting ways with a few big names, including their team captain in linebacker Bobby Wagner, who just signed a five-year, $50 million deal last season. But they still need to clear even more cap space, and that brings us to Ramsey. Here is NFL Network's Tom Palacero. The Rams have had trade talks surrounding their six-time Pro Bowl quarterback Jalen Ramsey, and league sources now believe it is very likely Ramsey is traded in the coming weeks. Ramsey is still in his prime. At age 28, he's due $17 million this season on a front-loaded deal that averages $20 million. L.A., as we know, is in salary cap clearing mode. Yeah, Sarah, it's not surprising that L.A. needs to essentially dismantle its roster. They were in a win-now mode last year, and hey, it led them to lifting the Lombardi Trophy. But letting go of their key players now, including these two All-Pros, is a natural consequence of a league that has a salary cap. But enough about L.A. The real reason we're talking about this is because Ravens fans want to know this. Is there a chance that Baltimore could be one of those teams in talks with the Rams about a potential trade for Ramsey? Well, Bobby, former Ravens scout and current NFL Network analyst Daniel Jeremiah 
Oh, he sure thinks so. Yeah, I start going to all these different teams where this could make sense, and I think about a previous trade of a Rams corner and Marcus Peters going to the Baltimore Ravens. Marcus mm -hmm. Peters now a free agent. The Ravens have a need at corner. Uh, maybe they go back and do this thing all over again here with Jalen Ramsey going to the Ravens, who love you know big time corners. They love investing in that position. There's going to be uh, I would think there's still a pretty strong market for Jalen Ramsey. He's got a a lot of good football left. You know, Daniel Jeremiah obviously knows the types of players the Ravens like to sign, given his time as a scout with the team. And we all know how much the Ravens loved Jalen Ramsey because. Ozzie Newsom tried to trade up from number six to number four in that 2016 NFL draft to select him. But the Dallas Cowboys wouldn't budge from that spot out of fear that they might lose out on running back Ezekiel Elliott. So instead, it was the Jacksonville Jaguars who nabbed Ramsey at number five, and then Baltimore went with left tackle Ronnie Stanley at number six. Now, obviously, Stanley has been a cornerstone piece of the offensive line when healthy, but that just lets you know how much the front office at that time, and probably still do, just how much they coveted Ramsey when he was coming out. Yeah, and Sarah, just thinking of a Ramsey-Marlon Humphrey duo in Baltimore secondary is exciting, but I'm just not sure how realistic it is. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, if Lamar Jackson is on this roster for 2023, whether it's an extended contract or on the franchise tag, there is no way Ramsey will also be on the roster. And, and that's because the only way the Ravens will have the draft capital or the cap space for a six-time cornerback who is still in his prime, uh, that's if Lamar isn't here. NBC Sports' Peter King believes L.A. could get a low first-round pick or a high second-round pick for Ramsey. And I, I guess, who knows, Eric DaCosta did get Marcus Peters from the Rams for a fifth-round pick. So maybe Eric DaCosta could pull off some magic again, but... Even if he did, Ramsey's cap hit is still scheduled to be $17 million after a trade. There is no way to afford that unless Lamar Jackson is also traded, and I don't think too many people are rooting for that. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey feels like a pipe dream at this point, but Sarah, the Ravens do need to get some more corners in terms of depth behind Marlon Humphrey. They'll obviously use the draft to do so, and if you had your way... They'd even use the 22nd overall pick on a corner. Who knows? Maybe they'll go with best available, as they always seem to do in April. But beyond that, they're going to need more veterans as well to bolster that, that back end. Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm still a proponent of best player available at 22, but I wouldn't hate it if that's a corner. Uh, but you're right. They'll still need a veteran signing, too. And to be honest, Bobby, I still haven't given up on the idea of Marcus Peters returning. Uh, with another year removed from his ACL tear, I think he'll have a better year in 2023. And there's a chance the Ravens could get what I view as a potential elite corner at a very reasonable price. Garrett Downing caught up with Ian Rappaport down in Indy at the Combine. And here's what he had to say about a potential reunion. For me, you know, Marcus Peters has bounced around some. He's gotten paid very well, but been to a couple of different teams. It feels to me like... You know, his home is in Baltimore. We'll see. It's all it's all money. It's all, you know, what is the value? But he likes it. They like him. I actually wondered if they might do a deal mid-season last year to try to get, the, you know, Baltimore and, and DaCosta will do that, the mid-season, kind of late-season deals. So it seems to me like it makes sense for both sides for him to be there, but obviously the money has to be right. So Sarah, former sports agent and CBS contract analyst Joel Corey published an article that details what he thinks – would be a fair compromise between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson if Baltimore won't give in 
and award him that fully guaranteed deal. Yeah, I thought Joel did a really good job. Obviously, he's written contracts before and negotiated them, so he knows what he's talking about. And he named five things Eric DaCosta would need to provide Lamar in place of that fully guaranteed money in a four-year deal. That's what he's proposing, a four-year deal, not five-year. Now, number one, Joe Corey says that Lamar would need the largest signing bonus in NFL history. It's currently Dak Prescott at $66 million. Number two, Corey said the first two years of Jackson's contract would need to be fully guaranteed at signing, as well as a substantial proportion of 2025. And then the remainder of Jackson's 2025 salary would have to be guaranteed for injury at signing and become fully guaranteed next March during the first few days of the 2024 league year. There wouldn't be any guarantees in that final year of the contract. Then he said that the contract would need a clause preventing the Ravens from using a franchise or transition tag when the contract expires after the 2026 season. Now that way, Lamar can still get another huge deal, make a lot of money, while still young at age 30. Next, the contract would need a no-trade clause as part of it. And then finally, number five, Joel said it would need to have an extremely player-friendly structure. And he said that it was actually Mark Andrews who has a really good cash flow structure. So the Ravens should match that or even make it better. So putting all those five elements together, Corey suggests the following contract. Like I said, a four-year deal that would be a total of $210 million. That sounds like less because, again, it's not five years. It's four years. So $210 million. Under that, the average yearly salary would be $52.5 million, and that would be a new NFL record. Then the overall contract guarantees would be $170 million. That would be the second most in overall guarantees, but again, it's on a short contract length. And then the fully guaranteed at signing would be $150 million. That's the second most behind Deshaun Watson. And then here comes the cash flow that he wanted. He wanted the signing bonus of $85 million, which is a very healthy new record. So that first year cash would be $99 million. Then the first two years of cash would be $130 million. And then the first three years of cash, and this is what agents say is the most important all the time because usually players aren't getting cut before the first three years. So the first three cash, first three years of cash would be $170 million. So that's 80% of the contract in the first three years. So, Sarah, we all remember the Stephen A. Smith report that sparked debate last Friday on ESPN. He said that he spoke to Lamar's camp and used that camp to try to dispute contract reporting from his own network, his own colleagues. Yeah, Lamar's camp should really be in quotation marks there. And to be honest, ESPN, Bobby, has been all over the place with their reports on this negotiation process. By my count, this one single network has reported three different figures for the total guaranteed money that the Ravens have offered to Lamar Jackson. ESPN alone has reported a $133 million figure, then a $160 to $180 million range, and then they've also reported a $200 million figure. And lately, it's gotten to the point where ESPN is contradicting itself on almost a daily basis, which has created an absolute circus and a lot of confusion. Now, to me, ESPN's confusion is a result of them not getting information from sources who are really in the know. And that's why, if you were paying close attention, you probably noticed that Eric DaCosta took a very subtle swipe at Stephen A's claim that he was talking to, again, quote, Lamar's camp. The only camps that I know uh, is me and Lamar. 
and we talk and we text. And so, you know, uh, I'm not really too concerned with perceptions. I've seen a lot of perceptions in the last 27 years. And a lot of times those perceptions are probably not accurate. So Lamar and I continue to talk. I have a lot of admiration and respect for Lamar. I think he would say the same about me. And uh, like I said, it's a tough negotiation. There are some dynamics that make it challenging. But I remain optimistic and we remain talking and I'm excited about that. So, Sarah, Eric was pretty subtle about it, but he obviously is saying that any information that you're getting outside of him or Lamar is just an outside perception that may or may not be accurate. Yeah, and so you may be wondering where all this information and contract reports are coming from from the first place, and a lot of it is stemming from the NFLPA. In fact, Eric straight up said just last month that the original report from ESPN's Chris Mortensen was based on a leak from the NFLPA. And I'd bet that a vast majority of any leaks that we've gotten on this process is from that Players Association. And it's important to remember that that organization has its own agenda that doesn't really care about either the Ravens or Lamar. And going back to that Stephen A. Smith report that sparked a lot of this confusion, his source, which was likely from inside the NFL Players Association, was emphatic that Lamar has never requested a fully guaranteed deal, as we know. And that was pretty head-scratching because for over a year, every reporter across every network has consistently said the holdup was for a fully guaranteed deal. Yeah, and it seems that that source was playing a game of semantics. And luckily, we have CBS Sports' Josina Anderson here to clear it up. There was a report out there last year, I believe, that came from ESPN saying that the deal that the Ravens offered um, included $133 million uh, guaranteed. And the clarification on that figure, from my understanding, is that that was the amount, at least, that was offered guaranteed at signing. But the understanding as far as the total guarantees, as I was told by a source coming into India, Annapolis is that was closer to the figure of about 180 million. So just to clarify that aspect. Then the other aspect is whether he wants a fully guaranteed contract or not. So as of last year, we all operated under that notion of Lamar Jackson wanting a guaranteed contract, particularly in the aftermath of Deshaun Watson getting that five-year, $230 million deal uh, from Cleveland. Now, recently, uh, one of our colleagues in the industry, Stephen A. Smith, uh, went on his program and said, per the information he was getting from that side, that Lamar Jackson does not want a fully guaranteed contract. So here's what I understand. What I was told coming into Indy is that Lamar Jackson is not looking for anything less than what Deshaun Watson got. If you're asking for that amount this year and not trying to go uh, at least below that, it is possible to get that amount, let's say, if you're looking for something higher, and make sure you're getting that at a minimum and still not getting a fully guaranteed contract. So let's say, just for an example, you were looking for, um, you know, you're getting 240. You're still getting 240, but you're making sure that at least 230 of that is guaranteed. And just to kind of put a final button on that, again, my understanding is that Lamar Jackson is not looking for anything less than what Deshaun Watson got. And beyond that, he could not get a fully guaranteed contract so long as his minimum number, whatever that is, is met. Now, last year there was a report out there 
uh, from ESPN that he did nix the deal just shy of uh, 50 million an average of a year, which is what uh, Aaron Rodgers is at. So you would have to kind of get an idea of what you think the floor is relative to those numbers. Bobby, there are so many different types of guaranteed money in contract language that what Josina is saying can still be very confusing. But at the end of the day, she's saying that Lamar is in. Indeed, he is indeed looking for more fully guaranteed money than Deshaun Watson, which is $230 million. That is money that he would get no matter what happens once the deal is signed. Now, that doesn't mean that Lamar wants a contract that is fully guaranteed. So to kind of give figures to that, because the language is very confusing, if Lamar got, say, a $250 million offer, He's not demanding that all $250 million be fully guaranteed, but he does want more than $230 million of it fully guaranteed. All right, one last thing. If you're wondering why I personally put more stock into what Josina Anderson is saying over Stephen A. First, it's because Stephen A. himself has gone back and forth on the figures and has contradicted himself. So he's kind of lost the benefit of the doubt on this topic. Second, what Josina just reported in that soundbite is very much in line with what Lamar Jackson himself told Diana Russini in September that he was offered close to $100 million in total guarantees. And that conversation between Lamar and Diana was corroborated by Jeff Zriebeck, who said he was standing right next to her when she approached Lamar. So I'll take the word of Lamar himself over an anonymous source that is the NFLPA likely just labeling itself as, quote, Lamar's camp. <laughs> 